You're listening to the Big Finish Podcast, official launch date Monday the 13th of March 2017. Greetings, I'm Benji Clifford, man of sound, chat and music. That means that I'm a sound designer and composer for Big Finish Productions and also the co-host of this weekly podcast. But allow me to introduce the other bloke. The man is an enigma. He's not scared of the psychic circus. He certainly isn't worried by the dangerous undercurrents of Maiden's Point. And he'd certainly not surrender the bow to a bunch of wretched cybermen. I'm, of course, talking about actor, writer, director, producer and Dalek connoisseur... Connoisseur? Connoisseur, Mr. Nicholas It's like a connoisseurus. It's a a prehistoric. (laughs) A connoisseurus. Did you like the uh, the Sylvester McCoy thing? Uh, yeah, yeah, you've obviously been uh, delving into the Seventh Doctor recently. Well, I was just feeling it, you know. I was, I was feeling it, and and I just thought, it, yeah, you know. Anyway, I'm Nick Briggs. I don't know whether you said that. I did. Anyway. I did say did that you, after. Did you? Okay, fine. After fine. Connoisseurus. Well, Benji, you, you literally warm the cockles of my cybernetic heart. Uh, just a quick reminder that we at Big Finish are the purveyors of fine audio drama and audiobooks, stuff like Doctor Who, Blake Seven, Torchwood, The Prisoner, The. Avengers, uh, The Omega Factor, Survivors, Dark Shadows, Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons, Indestructible, all that. Uh, you can find us at bigfinish.com. You probably knew that, but in case you didn't, it's always worth saying, I say. Isn't that smashing, eh, at the end there? Captain like, Scarlet and the Mysterons. Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons. Really magical, that is. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. No, but. never do I. Anyway, the podcast format is as follows. In a moment, the Big Finish News, and that'll be followed by listeners' emails, our guest star interview slot, the Randomoid Selectatron, a roundup of our latest releases, and a sizable chunk from one of our upcoming productions for you to sample. That's right, oh. you. <laughs> yes. Beautifully put, Benji. I um I could I'd just like to apologize, although it hasn't now gone quiet. There there is a building site next to my shed. So if you can hear any strange rumbling noises, it's those big diggers building, digging things up. But hopefully we're blotting it out with some tasteful uh, background music. Anyway, the sizable chunk on offer this week is the first chapter of The Fetch, a supernatural thriller by Jack Gerson, creator of The Omega Factor, performed by Carolyn Seymour, who you may well remember from Survivors and Star Trek and all that sort of stuff. Uh, she's a very classy actor and a lovely human being to boot. By that, I don't mean I want to boot her. I mean, she's a lovely human being as well. Uh, wh- what about the guest star interview slots, Benji? Well, Nick, something a little bit different this week. Multiple guests. You see, as many of you may have heard or seen on Twitter, last Saturday we had a bit of a sound designer's shindig for all the sound designers and composers at Big Finish. Yeah, and some of them even turned up. (laughs) I can't let it go. I can't let it go. Oh, Nick. Never mind. Never mind. It was brilliant, though. (laughs) It was. It was great. But there was a serious part to it, with a discussion between directors, producers, and sound designers. But it was also a bit of a social event, wasn't it, really? Chance Mm, for people mm. to sort of put faces to names that they've been literally emailing for years. And uh, (laughs) it was really weird. You meet people, and you're like, you're... And then they say, oh, I'm so sorry. And you go, of course you are yes and then and then you you continue to have a sort of private joke that you've carried on through emails for a million yeah. years yeah and oh. it is bizarre when people turn up people like steve fox and you turn up and say i've been working for big finish for 14 years yeah i think in all that time i've only actually 
that met seen him and been in the same room with him about three times it's crazy isn't it it's like like especially that yeah like matthew cochran as well it's like 15 years or something you think what it's madness isn't mm-hmm. it but yes, yeah, so during this time, I, I basically I waved around my digital recorder, which is actually sitting in front of me here. Yeah, I can see it. And I, I forced it into people's faces and, and asked them a couple of questions and sort of just had a bit of a chat, really. And I put it all together, or at least will do after we've recorded this, <laughs> into a little feature, a snapshot of the mindset of everyone there, as it were. So you'll be hearing from producer, director... Oh, did you just do a snapshot noise? Yeah, I did a... Very good, yeah. It was either that or you were just clearing out a bit of troublesome food from between your teeth. <laughs> a, bit, a bit of granola. <laughs> uh, yes, you'll be hearing from producer-director Jamie Anderson and sound, deni- design, sound deniers. <laughs> they are sound deniers. And we do not believe that sound exists. It does uh, not exist. It does not exist. <laughs> You do not exist. Not exist. <laughs> oh, Death to the Daleks has arrived early. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Steve Fox and Richard Fox, uh, Lauren Yason, Jamie Robertson, Matthew Cochran, David Darlington, David Nagel, Joe Miners, Rob Hardy, and of course, Benji. I didn't manage to get David Darlington in there. I sat him down. Yeah. I sat him down. I had the. We didn't manage out. to get him. No, we we were. All, this is at the end. We sat down. We were like, <gasps> right, we're gonna all have. We're gonna record you now. And then we all just got in this great chat. And then, and then, oh, I see. and then that was that was when, yeah, that's that was the rest, as they say, is history. So, 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 David, <laughs> and then we stumbled out of the uh, establishment later, and I got recognised by a Doctor Who fan. He, he was quite cool about it. He just went, "Oh, it's Nick Briggs!" Like really, <laughs> really, like matter of a fact, like, "Oh yeah." Yes, Nick uh, oh, oh, sorry, scrub that about Davy Darlington. I remember you said you were going to interview Davy, um, but it never happened. That's it's, a shame. It never Davey's happened. But we, but we lovely had a, guy. We had a great chat though. So he's great company, Davy, isn't he? He is great company. He is yeah, indeed. It was, a, it was a fun end of the evening, definitely. Yes. <laughs> but that's all coming up later, anyway. Now, hold on a minute. Do I hear the news approaching? You ready? Will do, Benji. <laughs> This is the Big Finish News. Cunic and Benji. Look, just harp ready. Harp ready, always, always. That's that's what he's called, Benji Harp Ready Clifford. (laughs) My name's Benji Harp Ready Clifford. Yes, yeah, so anyway, moving on from this madness. As some of you may have heard, Jerry Anderson's Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons is coming to big finish. That's thanks to ITV Global Entertainment. We'll be releasing four Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons productions this September to celebrate the 50th anniversary of, you guessed it, Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons. Yes, Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons, the full title. Uh, there'll be a lavish box set containing all the mini albums which were released back in the 1960s, originally on seven inch discs to be played at 33 RPM. Do you remember? Magic. No, you don't remember. You weren't born, were you? I was. <gasps> There'll also be lots more content, some of it never previously released. Uh, more on that later. Anyway, here's a trailer for that. Coming soon from Big Finish Production. Captain Scarlet! Captain Scarlet! The 
Something has happened to Captain Scarlet. Destiny Angel, come in for attack. S.I.G. Captain Scarlet. Captain Scarlet. Captain Scarlet is virtually indestructible. It's either gonna be you or me. You're Captain Black. Get one fact very firmly fixed in your mind. We are not fighting against men. We're fighting against Mysterons. It will be useless for you to resist. Captain Scarlet. It's up to you, Captain Scarlet. You'll never get away with it. Prepare to die. Indestructible Captain Scarlet. Think of it as a mystery to a... <laughs> a Mr. You say about it being being 7-inch discs played at 33 RPM. I've actually got um, one of them on a 12-inch uh, record over there. Mm. That's true. I had had seen some of them released like that. I'd sit corrected. It's it quite <laughs> magical. I saw it. I was like, having that, having that straight away. Every day, every day. But of course, ours though. will be nicely digitally remastered and all that jazz. All that jazz, indeed, he do. And there will be three uh, enhanced audiobook releases of the three Captain Scarlet tie-in novels released back in the day, and they are known as the Spectrum Files One to Three. And there'll be more news on those in the coming months. But suffice it to say, at this stage, you'll be working on them, Benji. Yeah. Oh, already have? Well, yes, yes. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I certainly will, oh boy. Certainly will. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's very exciting. It's very exciting to, to work on Captain Scarlet. And slightly strange as well, because I've already started doing some of the remastering, and it's just this very pleasurable thing to wake up and, and work on, on really lovely, warm, 60s, lovely audio stuff. It's just, yeah, it's wonderful. Captain Scarlet is indestructible. Dun, 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 dun. Please don't try this at home. You are not. Or whatever they said. That's what they used to say at the beginning. Captain Scarlet is indestructible. You are not. So don't be a silly so-and-so. <laughs> don't stick your head underneath a van. <laughs> your mother has been on to us to say that you've been stabbing yourself in the face. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's one thing, even, even Captain Scarlet, the man's indestructible, but even he, he doesn't do that, does he? He never stabs himself in the face. I think we can reveal that about the series. It's a bit of a spoiler. <laughs> but in Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons, Captain Scarlet never says, oh, I wonder whether this will... Oh, I'm perfectly all right. I'm indestructible. Aren't they the lyrics of the song, aren't they? Captain Scarlet, he's the man who never stabs his own face. <laughs> Captain Scarlet, he's not stabby. <laughs> anyway. Yes, anyway. So, in uh, ne- moving on. Sorry to interrupt your tea there, Benji. <laughs> he's desperate to have it. I'm going to have some water. I've got some of that as well. I'm all, I'm all, all the supplies. I mustn't make noises like that. People with misophonia, people don't like that. No, they don't. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Uh, yes, so moving on. In Feb uh, 2018. Uh, The Doctor's friend and renowned British Prime Minister Winston Churchill is joined by another friend of a Time Lord. Yes, in Doctor Who, The Churchill Years, Volume 2, there's some rather exciting guest cast news. Ian McNeese's Winston Churchill is joined by Madame Vastra herself, Neve McIntosh, for the first story, Young Winston. 
Now, paraphrasing Big Finish producer David Richardson here, uh, he says, uh, we've worked with Neve before on Unit, The War Doctor and Survivors. He didn't actually mention The War Doctor. I just threw that in. Uh, but this, because she did work in it. I'm just not, I'm not making things up. Uh, but this is the first time she's played Madame Vastra for us. Stephen Moffat kindly gave his blessing for us in a religious ceremony uh, to use the character in this Churchill box set. <laughs> It wasn't a religious ceremony. I've just made that up as well. And here she is meeting Winston Churchill when he was just 21 years old in the year 1895. When I say here she is, I'm not about to play you a clip. We don't have fun yet. But anyway, I'll oh, shut up. It's exciting though, isn't it? That's a that's mm. a pretty fun little mm. idea there. These clever big Finnish people. So yeah, there's there's four new stories and they are as followed. Young Winston by Paul Morris. Human Conflict by Ian McLaughlin. I was Churchill's double by Alan Barnes. That was that was the, the title. I, I wasn't Churchill's double, um, and uh, Churchill. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He didn't sound like that. It, oh, no, it, he did. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I was thinking of Monty. There's a film called I Was Monty's Double. Montfield Marshal Montgomery. Montgomery. Who really, really spoke like that. Then <laughs> they are really, very, very important to me. Even though I sound like I'm being strangled. <laughs> Field Marshal Montgomery's uh, relations will be in touch with me later today so, to so, file a lawsuit. Or alternatively, turn around and say, well, actually, he kind of did talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was him back. <laughs> that's right. Now is the winter of our discontent. No, no, that's Richard III. <laughs> Winston Churchill, not to be confused with uh, Richard III. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, what a fool. It's, I mean, people often confuse them. I mean, one of them was the Prime Minister during the Second World War and the other <laughs> died at the Battle of Bosworth. Yeah, they're very similar. Very similar. Very, so, one yeah, was a hunchback. You know, bl- blink, and you, blink and you completely get mixed up, you know. It's crazy, isn't it? But yes, uh, I'm I'm absolutely going off a tangent. So the final one is Churchill Victorious by Robert Kahn and Tom Zielinski. And you can find full details on these stories at bigfinish.com in the Doctor Who special releases range. And in case you need reminding of the Churchill Years Volume 1, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Churchill Years. Volume 1 I was the first to appreciate that after all my misguided efforts, a trip aboard the Doctor's improbable flying machine was all that was needed to make an old man feel young again. The Doctor! THE Doctor! He's here! It was the young Tweedy Doctor this time, with the bow tie. The trouble is, this letter's incendiary. If its contents were to get out, why the nation might lose faith in its leader. I know, exclaimed the tall, thin fellow in the spivish suit. They were the footprints of a gigantic hound. What the devil? Ah! Halt, stop, desist from movement. Stop and you will not be harmed. It's impossible. They all look the same. It was a man wearing some kind of weathered black leather jacket and bizarrely lacking both necktie and hat. Behold the bronze god. Advance! An iron side. Prime Minister, behind you. The creature flew at the doctor at great speed. Julius Caesar invading ancient Britain. (laughs) It sounds ideal to me, doctor. We are about to engage the enemy. 
Big Finish. We love stories. Love a bit of Churchill. And on Tuesday the 14th of March, we start a fresh run of Torchwood monthly releases with Torchwood Visiting Hours, starring Kai Owen and Neris Hughes in a new story written by David Llewellyn and directed by Scott Hancock. Here is the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Torchwood Visiting Hours. If you're going to use me as a patching ram, would you mind giving me a bit of warning? All right, ma'am. Which way? Left or right? Where are you going, Mr. Williams? There's no way out. You know that. Nurse, hold down his arms. He's waking up. We need to increase the dosage of halogen. I said we need to increase his dosage of halogen. There's no easy way of saying this. It's a killer robot from the future. Run! Twenty seconds till the bridge closes. Sorry, gentlemen. You're on your own. Please, I'm scared. Please, close your eyes. Close your eyes, man, please. Big finish. We love stories. Well, Chicken was a bit dry, but we had a lovely rhubarb crumble for afters. You can buy all six stories of this new Torchwood series in a subscription for very attractive prices. But do please note that these subscription rates go up from April. So now's the time if you want to get the best value you can on these excellent tales. My voice is just turning into Phil Marshall Montgomery. <laughs> Do buy Torchwood immediately. Oh, hello. <laughs> I'm starting to sound like Edward Fox now, actually. <laughs> you are a little bit, actually. Edward and Mrs. Simpson. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> oh, just that shut up was to me, obviously. I'm just loving all these these builders who have stopped working and they just listen to this mad, this mad yeah, man. It's all standing outside my shed. <laughs> he, he seems to be talking like... Um, Phil Marshall Montgomery. <laughs> They're really well-informed builders. They're really into their Second World War. The trouble is, I'm always confusing him with Richard III. <laughs> oh, I, I know, I always confuse Winston Churchill with Richard III. Oh, it happens. Now is the winter of my discontent. Now, Churchill said that, didn't he? <laughs> uh, the classic Richard III one was, keep buggering on. <laughs> classic Shakespeare. Classic Shakespeare. Um, yes, for, for pity's sake, don't forget that in all cases, the purchase of a Torchwood CD unlocks a digital version of a Big Finish exclusive in your account. Combine this with the th- combine this with the free Big Finish listening app for Apple and Android, and you can be listening within minutes wherever you are in the world. Pretty exciting. Yeah, yes, and that's the end of the news for this podcast. <laughs> Did you just deflate them? <laughs> <laughs> In a kind of Churchill way. <laughs> that was that was my Churchill voice yeah, from when yeah. I did Doctor Who live back in 2010. That's not bad old Churchy, that. I think one of the reviews said, well, if you can buy the version of Churchill, this isn't a t- too bad a show or something. I thought, oh, well, thanks. Well, oh, cheers. <laughs> if, you, if you can buy it. What a sarky thing to say. Yes. Oh, well, whatever, you know. Who's laughing now? Yeah. They've got Montgomery for free. <laughs> I meant Monty. Yeah, that's the end of the news. Yeah, for okay, the yeah, yeah. So, 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 sorry. Uh, yes, yeah, so um, that's right, Nick. 
it is the end of the news for today. The news has decided to hop into a tank, go across the desert, a bit like our good friend Monty there. Um, get out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Start reciting a bit of Shakespeare before then hurtling off to go and bash the Bosch. That's right. Goodbye. Farewell news. We'll see you next week. <sighs> Time now for listeners' emails. Love an email. It says that love and email. Love and email. Love, love and email. That's that's what's called a typographical error. <laughs> Sounds really profound, doesn't it? No, love and email, man. Love and email. So yeah, please right. keep those lovely emails coming in, folks. We've got some corkers this week, and remember that all you have to do to join in with the merriment is to email us at podcast at bigfinish.com. That's podcast at big B-I-G finish. <laughs> Dot com. com com first up then this is from oliver moore hello nick and benji i hope i pronounced his name right there i'm, I'm gonna say it probably m-o-h-r oh, yeah probably more. let us know oliver. let us know yeah oh uh, yeah so hello nick and benji I wanted to send this... It's e- a good start, isn't it? It's, it's a good great. start. It's a nice, strong start, that is. Real <laughs> solid stuff. I've decided this email's going to go on forever. I'll just keep interrupting after every other word. I wanted to... And anyway... I, <laughs> I wanted to send this email... I just wanted to say... <laughs> Monty, Open Mon- fire. Monty, I've told you about this, please. <laughs> Who knew that we were going to do a podcast in which Marshall Montgomery... Was a guest star, but that's the beauty. You see, just anything can happen in in these mad podcasts. You, yeah. you really don't know what's coming up next week. Who knows? Uh, Florence Nightingale's cat. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really. Who knows? You know, that's right. Very quizzical. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to send in this email to tell Mr. Briggs that I've just finished listening to the first box set of Dark Eyes, and I, abso- uh. and I absolutely loved it. It was so great, and I'm so excited to listen to Dark Eyes 2 and see where this story goes. Oh, you'll never guess. Anyway, whilst listening to the behind the scenes of Dark Eyes, I learned that Nick had written, directed, and produced the whole set, as well as playing the Daleks, of course. I think that's incredibly impressive. I can't imagine the work involved in having so much to do on a project, and the fact that the project turned out as beautifully as it did speaks volumes about your talent. Pat on the back there, yeah. Nick. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Anyway, that's very nice. It is yes. a lovely thing to say. Anyway, I am gushing. Sorry. I just liked it so much that I was so impressed. Thanks so much for all your work, Nick and Benji. I love the audios and the podcast, and you two are lovely, Oliver. Oh, Oliver. I think you're probably lovely yeah, too. You sound lovely. That's very nice of you. To, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? That um, I was giving advice to a writer who shall remain nameless the other day about who was talking about writing a whole box set, and I said, "Listen, you know, I've done it a couple of times. It's quite a, it's quite a lot to take on, and also producing it and directing it as well. I mean, uh, David Richardson was the line producer, of course. Um, that was." Yeah, yeah. So that's why I wasn't rushing to do it again for Dark Eyes 2 and kind of handed it all over to other people and moved on to other things. I think, you know, you can get stuck in a rut and you must, um, you know, do things to uh, refresh and replenish afterwards. But yeah, um, I'm 
very grateful for your compliment and um and of course the first episode the great war won an award well there we go yeah. i mean it speaks for you audio drama it? award i think yeah. the thing that i love about which i finally got you know we finally got <laughs> you know I, I didn't have for about three or four years i haven't actually had the award in my house i've got it now did you hold it and say and here we are <laughs> no steph just put it up on the shelf and i thought oh, when i look up there i can see right through it and it's almost invisible <laughs> but it's your bit of invisible and nobody can take that away i just love this idea that you're you're directing obviously uh, and you're in the little booth and you go from from being this this person who has to pull all the cast together and kind of mediate and 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 sort of sort the recording out and then suddenly turn around and start yelling absolute abuse and threatening to exterminate them within seconds and then somehow go well that was a nice take wasn't it i really yeah. exterminate anyway uh, yeah you know, lovely stuff there. But it does amuse them yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and the fact that sometimes i forget to switch the modulator off so i've done all the exterminating and then i go <laughs> and they all laugh at that so i now have a little button where i can switch the ring modulator off davros so. producing the the annual yes. uh, scaro play Excellent work. Yes, I really rather liked your King Lear. <laughs> of course, my you know my favourite thing to do uh, for Big Finish, which I haven't done for many years, is write, direct, um, and then do the sound design and the music. And that's what I used to do before I was executive producer. But since I have that job, it's too time-consuming for me to be able to do all of it. Although with Charlotte Pollard, I have written and directed and uh, done the music. So that's, you're nearly there, you're nearly there. Yeah, yeah. And as I think I mentioned in the last podcast, it really, I suddenly realised when I finished doing the music the other week, uh, last week in fact, uh, that I I actually didn't believe it would ever end. Because it seemed to have all been going on for a very, very long time. And it, there was a very strange moment of perceptual change when I thought, oh, this does end, doesn't it? I mean, I knew logically but emotionally, it just felt like it would go on forever. But anyway, I digress and get off the uh, psych psychiatrist's couch. <laughs> oh, here's a nice one from our old friend Shane Dumphy, who you'll remember is a writer of some notes in his own right and sent us those lovely emails about meeting Patrick McGowan a while back. Quite a while back. Oh, smashing, Here we go. They were. They were. It's brilliant. Always worth reading out an email from Shane. Hi, Nick and Benji. It's funny how a simple meandering conversation, something your wonderful <laughs> podcast specialises in, yeah. smiley face emoji, <laughs> uh, can spark a memory that transports you to somewhere unexpected. In your last edition, Benji, while expressing how much he was looking forward to a trip to a record fair in Kidderminster, mentioned his favourite record shop in Hastings and how it has a section totally devoted to classic radio dramas, a genre of entertainment he particularly loves. I was immediately whisked back to a Sunday morning in the kitchen of the old council house where I grew up. My mum, who died in 1994, would always cook a roast dinner for the family and while she worked, the radio would be on. The theme tune to The Archers still evokes the smells of chicken slow cooking in the oven. God, it's the same for me, mate. Uh, my mother loved radio plays and would often borrow cassettes of them from our local library. My dad was quite handy and had set up speakers all over the house which were connected to the old stereo system he had in the living room so she could listen to her dramas while she went about her work, no matter which room she was in. 
I particularly recall her bringing home an audio recording of a couple of episodes of Faulty Towers. One was The Hotel Inspectors, which is brilliant, which was my first encounter with that iconic series. Even when watching television, she seemed more interested in sound and speech than anything else. And I noticed this, especially with Doctor Who, a series she was always fond of. Oh, goodness me. I always think it's great when I hear that people have parents who love Doctor Who. Mm. My parents hated it, really. Um, uh, We watched it together until I lost interest in the TV show. Shame on me. During my early teens. Uh, Well, we have other things on our mind then, don't we? But despite my absence, she stayed stayed true to the programme. I distinctly remember her making me sit down to watch an episode of Vengeance on Varos, which I, at the time, grudgingly did. Now listen she said, sitting back and closing her eyes. What she wanted me to absorb was Colin Baker's beautiful way of delivering lines. Doesn't he have the most marvellous enunciation? She said afterwards. She later admitted she found him a bit dishy too. But as a 13-year-old, I wasn't too pleased with this nugget of news and decided to pretend I hadn't heard it. Ah! Uh, My mother was an English teacher, so the Sixth Doctor's remarkable command of language and obvious love of words really appealed to her. So a lasting memory I have of my beloved mother is her sitting on the saggy old couch in our kitchen, usually knitting, smiling warmly to herself as she basked in the Sixth Doctor's glorious turns. He was always her favourite. It makes me smile, too, to think how much she would have adored Big Finish. In her honour, I have absolute power and quicksilver on my phone's audiobook player, all queued up and ready to go for a long drive that awaits me this weekend. I like to think she'll be making that journey with me, relishing the audioscape and Mr Baker's delightful diction. Thanks for the memories, gentlemen. Keep up the sterling work. Best wishes and warmest regards, Shane Dunphy. So moving. That was really moving. I felt like it had this strange moment there. I felt like it was, you were reading me a bedtime story, Nick. It was really, it was really <laughs> lovely. It's really, really... I think well, Colin Shane has like this brilliant well. way of writing. What's that? I, I bet Colin would like to, to read that as well. It's a lovely, yeah, lovely yeah, message. Yeah, I should tell him about it. Shane uh, Shane always writes a great email. As, as I say, you can tell he's a writer. It's, it's beautiful, beautiful work. <laughs> That was lovely stuff. Thanks for Thanks, thank you for sending that. I got in. a little bit emotional then. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice though. It's nice. I know exactly what you mean about when people's parents like Doctor Who. It's a it's a nice feeling. It's I, like Tom Spilsbury. Yeah, you know Tom's the editor dad. of Doctor Who magazine. His dad loves Doctor Who. His dad's a cool guy actually. Really nice yeah. guy. Uh, I, I remember my friend Jimmy. Uh, he said to me, "Phrase said, oh, he said my my dad liked Doctor Who. You know, really big Doctor Who fan." I was like, okay, and I eventually got round to meeting his dad at a, at a birthday shindig, and I said, oh, you know, I hear you like Doctor Who, and he said, oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, I had two Daleks in the garden not so long ago. I was like, what, what, like the actual Daleks? Yeah, yeah, I had two of them, I had to get rid of them. I'm, you know, I might get another one again. So you didn't just have one; yeah, you, you had two, and 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 yet Jimmy said his dad was a bit of a Doctor Who fan. I was like, mm. yeah, you've got to be more than a bit to have Daleks, haven't you? Plural. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, that was my my little bit of banter there. So now moving on to the emails here. This is a quickie from Gareth Suds. Uh, Suds S. Is it Suds or Sudes? We don't Sudes. know. Gareth, did you tell us before? And have we forgotten? I'm sorry, Gareth. I know you've written him before. You can guarantee that if anybody writes in and uh, with their name and it's sent to me, it's probably going to be wrong. Even if it's Bill Hat, um, I'll probably get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
Bill hate. Um, yes. Yeah, so anyway, um, <laughs> would it be possible to get Silver Lining, The Veiled Leopard, and Cuddlesome up on the Big Finish for free page? I see at least two of them are available on SoundCloud, but it would be great to have them on the app to listen to. Thanks, Gareth. That's a really good question, Gareth, which is why I put it in. Um, yes, uh, the ones that are on SoundCloud should be on the site. And we realised we just hadn't done that. So um, I had a word with Sue Cowley, our general manager, and we will be doing something about that. And probably when we put them on the site, we'll put a sample of them in the podcast as well as, as a way of flagging it up. Just to explain to anyone who doesn't know, Silver Lining, The Veiled Leopard and Cuddlesome are three uh, of the stories we did as free CDs for Doctor Who magazine. And they've given us permission to release them for free on the site. Of course, we wouldn't charge for them because they were made for free for you. And they're great adventures. Yeah, it's, yes, fun. fun. Um, uh, Cuddlesome is actually, um, I think, uh, 50 minutes long, um, whereas the others are, are shorter episodes, I think. But yeah, that's a Peter Davison story written by Nigel Fares. I just remember off the top of my head and very good it was too. I remember the cover really clearly. I remember having it, like the, you know, when it came with the old big finish... Magazine and big finish Doctor Who magazine. Was it? Yeah, yeah magic. What? Magic. What? what are you talking about? I don't know. I think I'm. <laughs> I think and I'm here's another about. quickie from Nicholas Ferraza, who's uh, a singer from the 1970s, I believe. <clears throat> I just made that up. Sounds uh, like dear it. big finish. Uh, stop to move, buck up, and so on. Well done, Nicholas. As a quick late addition to your brilliant bacon segment <laughs> last week's podcast. Bacon's yes. Brilliant. 10 out of 10 good stuff he says I don't know whether that's for the bacon or for the podcast possibly both I'm considering um, having a, a breakfast for lunch by the way today a brunch a breakfast for lunch well yeah Steph and I my wife and I are going to go out for lunch today I think we I, like I to might do take that. myself out for lunch I've got, I've got people coming to view my house so I'm probably going to oh. probably just take yeah, yeah, there's no sign of that parcel delivery for your mother yet no it's not no it's, it's my mum's birthday just a warning that, it won't yeah. be won't be when this this comes out but, but it's her birthday and after spending ages saying, "Is there anything particular you'd like?" Oh, I'll, I'll think about it. Is there anything particular you'd like? Well, I'll, I'll think about it. Right, look, we've got like a day now. <laughs> I'm ordering anything. <laughs> so anything. So literally anything could be arriving. Yeah, yeah. It's a box of anything, could, right? The random, the randomizer Amazon button. What it is? It's a full size Dalek. Field Marshal Montgomery. <laughs> She'd love it. She'd lo- Who wouldn't want a full-size Field Hello! Marshal? Happy birthday! <laughs> no, I actually, I actually just me. bought Field Marshal Montgomery to, to live yeah. here forever. Yes, that's a bit disturbing. By the way, Nick Ferraza, I haven't forgotten about your email. <laughs> I'm going back to it now. Uh, he says, I just wanted to let you know that the type of bacon you Brits enjoy isn't exclusive to your country, as you suggested. Well, that's typical of the English, isn't it? We we, we think we're exclusive, and actually we're, we're fairly commonplace and just like everyone else. Uh, we, in Australia, which is one of my favourite countries, actually, I really enjoyed visiting there, uh, also enjoy bacon of the same variety, emphasis on enjoy. Mm. Yeah, I loved it. I don't know whether I had... Maybe I had some bacon in Australia. I'd ask my wife, but she's a vegetarian, so she won't remember. Uh, just thought, I keep saying she's a vegetarian to people, like I'm apologising. <laughs> like, like I'm confessing to some terrible hardship I have to endure. I'm afraid my wife's a vegetarian. Um, <laughs> I'd like to be a vegetarian. I am a vegetarian a lot of the time. I, I try to cut down on meat, apart from the massive breakfast I'm about to eat. Devour. <laughs> anyway, just uh, at the Blue Moon Cafe, I think it's called. 
We certainly call it that because we only go there once in a blue moon. Ooh, I just thought you'd it. like to know, although I'm not sure what you should do with this information, I'd probably just ramble on about it the way I have. <laughs> Sorry, Benji, I interrupted you. Were you saying something rather important? Though? I was going to say so. I can't remember what I was going to say. It was, it was, oh yeah, just, no, I, I did meet free Mondays, that's all. And carry on now, yeah. Oh. Well, that's interesting. It sounds nice, uh, doesn't uh, it? Well, it saves, uh, it, it preserves the, um, it stops climate change, doesn't it? Because that's the biggest problem. It doesn't. You know it's You know who recommends Meat Free Monday? It's uh, the, is that Paul McCartney? It is, you know, it's our great friend, Paul McCartney. Great guy, lovely. No way, I was going to go under another pressure there, but I didn't. But yeah, love <laughs> it, love it. Meat Free Monday. Sounds like he's about to cry. <laughs> well, you know, just I, like, I went Birmingham then. Sorry, apologies. Uh, uh, Nick does add at the end, "Keep up the good work," which that that's always welcome. That mm. is always welcome, and that's sadly all we have time for this week. Uh, you know, obviously, I've filled the uh, podcast up with references to Montgomery. Uh, sorry to say that this issue we had to miss an email that was actually from a person calling themselves Bilal Exilon. Oh, that way leads to missed emails. <laughs> but maybe we'll feature Bilal Exilon next time. We shall see. What a tease. What a tease. Look at this. This this, this uh, microphone came with a, a keyboard that I bought. Doesn't it look like the thing from um, Death to the Daleks, The Root? <laughs> That was that great bit where the Dalek takes a drink of some water. Love love that bit. Love <laughs> that <was> the- <laughs> I'm too thirsty. No, that's um that's when it fell I- down into the Thing. I thought that was a fairly good recreation. I thought it was very sequence. good. I thought it was. I, I, but I wish they'd actually done the Dalek drowning. It would have just been that little bit. <laughs> yeah, but what about that one in the Dalek invasion of Earth comes out of the Thames? It doesn't come out going. <laughs> Mind you. Excuse me. I've just got a moustache full of water. Um. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that's an image, isn't it? Um. Yeah, the one in the chase that comes out of the sand goes... <laughs> <laughs> but they were going a bit bonkers in the, the chase, weren't they? I think it would have been sort of you know, lovely for the, the Dalek to come out of the water in, in, in Dalek Invasion Earth and just kind of go... <laughs> it is forbidden to put... Yeah, just <laughs> spit it. It's forbidden to dump bodies in the river, yes. Yeah, that'd be good. good. I just swallowed somebody's shoe. Where are <laughs> or they, a little you compartment. Um, a little compartment opened in the side of the Dalek, and the Dalek creature hopped out and kind of wrung out its smalls. <laughs> Wearing Hawaiian and shorts. And put them back on and got back in again. <laughs> My pants are damp. <laughs> that is actually what happened in the uh, Dalek invasion of Earth. In, in case you haven't seen it, that was that was what it was like. That Literally, yeah. That's... Uh, the, uh, I just wanted to translate for any American listeners. When I say pants, I mean under underpants, under, undergarments. Because pants in America are trousers. <laughs> but in, Ridiculous. But in England, they're pantaloons. <laughs> Magic. All two English people talking about underwear. Indeed, Typical. it's marvellous. And, and that is the end of the uh, emails. You know, we 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 put them in, in a pair of pantaloons, handed them to a Dalek that's just come out the River Thames. Told it to uh, to go away because it's uh, it's dripping all over the 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 stone cobbled uh, wherever it is under the bridge place, 
and uh, it, it's now trundling off and, and hopefully hopefully we won't see it again because because they are nasty and they, yes. they you know they were trying to, to take we over the world have the wet undies of earth uh nah <laughs> Time now for our guest star interview slot, which has, this edition, been invaded by Jamie Anderson and a bunch of ruddy sound designers. Ruddy hell! Beautifully done. Oh, I, I'm David Nagel, and I do sound design for Big Finish sometimes. And I'm Jamie Robertson, and uh, I try and be a sound designer and music guy. So, we're here now at Sound Designer Day. That's right, it's a day stroke <laughs> evening which is devoted to the strange and mysterious world of sound and those who design it. So, I'm basically, I've been going around and having a great old time chatting to friends old and friends new and just finding out they're part of what we do. I say we, I myself am a sound designer. Find out what we do and just ask a few questions, really. Um, so let's just go. So first of all, then, what are you guys working on at the moment? Uh, currently, I'm working on uh, the Dalek Conquest of Far for the Third Doctor Volume Three. Release. Sounds exciting. It, yes. Is it I, a I challenge, guess. sound effects-wise? Um, mostly, I, I think it's it's trying to do a bit of um, what would I normally do with a Dalek audio, and then what I would expect the 70s to do with a Dalek story. Um, and then the other side is uh, trying to get over doing a terrible impression of John Pertwee in around the house. So I'm walking around going, "Grip, grip, balls of fire, uh, stop, don't move. Yes, stop, don't move." Um, yeah, so the other half is not very happy about it. Nothing wrong with that, though. <laughs> Nothing wrong. You can't say no to a bit of John Pertwee. Joe, look. That's Scarlo. Yes. Any regrets? No. Not really. But, Joe, that's only one little world. There's so many hundreds of others to see. <laughs> There's only one little world I want to see right now, Doctor. <sighs> that one. That one? But, Joe, that's Earth. That's right, Doctor. Home. Home it is, Miss Grant. Ah. Uh, now, that's odd. Oh, don't tell me. The TARDIS isn't working properly again, is it? It isn't that she's not working properly, Joe. It's just that... Just uh, that what, Doctor? Uh, hang on. I'm going to try something. Oh! <laughs> you really did mean hang on, didn't you? Oh! So, we're now going to ask Jamie. Jamie, what are you working on? What have you just finished working on? Oh, what, you mean Doom Coalition? Well, actually, the Doom Coalition 4 was done, what, four weeks ago now? For us, it comes out in a two days' time, I think. So, so uh, we're speaking from a different time. Yeah, it's clever, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, it's very clever. So what are you working on? Uh, well, right now, uh, we have just literally finished um, Death Rass, Tom Baker, Fourth Doctor, Series 6, Episode 4, I think that is. Um, and then starting on The Haunting of... Malkin Place, I have to get it right, so, which is episode five. And, um, 
Yeah, that, that's, a, that's. I think that's going to be an eerie one. I've not really read the script too much, to be honest, so I can't really say too much on it because I don't know much about it. But, <laughs> but, but do, they, do they look to be a challenge? Do you think you've got your, your hands full with this Yeah, one? I mean, uh, um, um, without giving away too much, because obviously we're halfway through a series, aren't we? So when this goes out, you guys are still only just hearing... Um, probably hear it oh, Silent Scream actually is probably the one on its way uh, we actually we worked with a new sound guy on that one really? Russell McGee yeah in America he was really good actually and Russie uh, um, and uh, he um, he done well on that because uh, what happened was I think uh, with Doom Coalition as well as that it was going to be too much to be doing on. a lot we've on. had a busy and of course we've had um, the uh, Invisible Man out as well and uh, it kind of got a bit too much and it would be greedy of me to say I'll do all of them do you know what I mean and then wreck them <laughs> yeah fair enough so I said to David you know and, uh, and so yeah we, we, it was he, Russell came on board and yeah it's, it's turned out quite well I can't wait for people to hear that one actually in America that's set and, uh, so it's nice uh, yeah yeah it's, it's uh, Hollywood her voice is gone it's happened again Loretta Waldorf as I live and breathe listen it's lovely of you to stop by but I have an appointment an appointment with Fear, I'm afraid, Miss Waldorf. Analysis suggests unknown life forms approaching. They're coming for my voice. They're like silhouettes. Dancing shadows. Help me. Please help me. I'm sorry, I can't help you. You're just recordings. Uh, Steve Foxen, um, sound designing composer for Big Finish now for about 14 years. 14 years. 14 years. Excellent. Uh, Richard Fox, I've uh, been doing the same as Steve, but for probably at half that time. Yeah. Um, Lauren Yason, um, sound designer and composer with Richard Fox. What's everybody working on at the moment? At this very moment, I'm working on Pathfinder, Series 3, the fifth episode, followed closely by The Island of Dr. Moreau. Are they challenging? Are you, find, are you enjoying working on them at the moment? They challenge yeah, I, I like the Pathfinder. They're very good. Um, they are a challenge because you get a lot of fight scenes and things like that. But um, yeah, I really enjoy them. I really enjoy doing the music for them as well. You it's a lot of fantasy, cool. isn't it? The Pathfinder it is, yeah. stuff. Yeah, there's. Um, I mean, the one I'm doing now is a lot of orcs and skeletons and zombies and things like that. But it's all good fun. That sounds fun. Yeah, keeps it interesting. And then the island of Dr. Moreau where you've got leopard men and sloth men and monkey men and all sorts of things going on with that. Animal-based men. Yeah, animal men. Yeah, and the odd woman, I think, as well. <laughs> woman, female leopard. Yeah. Rich? Um, yourself? We're working on Alien Heart uh, Dalek Soul which is just about to, I did the rest of the sound design notes today, so we're just to start scoring that. Uh, it's quite fun. It's actually the first Dalek story, which sounds quite peculiar, that we've ever done. Which I would have thought in this many years I would have done one before, but I've never got around to it. So Are the Daleks difficult to work with, would you say? Uh, well, they're like children and animals, aren't they? I think they should never work with them. But, um, <laughs> no, 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 that's good. It's, um, found myself lacking in sound design because I've never done them before and all the use all the new series movements and eye stalks and things so I had to go running around for them but it's quite good it's quite a good little story and um, it's good fun. so I've never like I said I've never done Daleks before specific so Dalek stalks no the eye stalks yeah specific ones though different yeah specific sound design which That's I didn't what have what we were talking about earlier the different different Dalek sound effects and harder sound effects for each season each doctor and all it varied, really really all gets varied, deep yeah. That's what I always try when I when I make new TARDISes. I try to steal bits from from old things, little references there. Yeah. 
it's always fun when we open the Dalek too. It was always difficult to get them because they recorded so compressed and loud. Yeah. It's always very difficult to get them at the right level compared to everyone else in the scene as well. Yeah, I've got you found that. Yeah, I found that. I've yeah. encountered that. You bring everything in and you sort of do the dialogue in it and yeah. so much presence from the Daleks. And just putting a little bit more reverb on the Daleks than everyone else. Yeah. yeah. yeah trying to get them to, obviously with the, the sort of the movement sounds anyway, I'm trying to get them to move and sound convincing to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they, it's, such, it's such a level of recording that there's no subtlety in bringing it in and bringing it out, sort of screaming from a distance. It's good fun. It's, I don't think really can be proper sound designers in Big Finish until I've done a Dalek story. I think that's a necessity. So you know, I've done a master story now and I've done a uh, Dalek story, so I'm happy. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Hello, Nissa. This call cannot be traced. I don't want to die. I don't think you've got much say in the matter. Captain! There's no time to roam this base whistling for the spiders to come out. I know things about you that I think I should share. You can see why the Daleks would want such a weapon. Oh, I can see why the Daleks would want it. It's why you're so happy to make it for them that puzzles me. Do not move! You are our prisoners! Daleks. You think you know who you are? Activate the self-destruct. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Do it now! a man, blonde, wearing the weirdest uniform and uh, he seems to be sabotaging a big chunk of the control room. Bullets can't stop them, you'll just draw attention to us. Use the explosives. Locate the doctor. The doctor is also no longer registering on scanners. Locate them. I mean what I say quite literally. You are not who you think you are. Doctor Who, alien heart, Dalek soul. Big Finish. We love stories. I'm Joe Miners, and I'm currently working on Jago Life of Series 13 and uh, the Ninth Doctor Chronicles with the Loving Luke Bruce. Um, my name is Matthew Cochran, and I'm not working on anything at the moment, but I've just finished The Invisible Man. That's my last one. But might I add, how many years have you been doing sound design with Big Finish? Just over 10 years now. So, not working on anything at the moment, but no, certainly no. have worked on plenty yeah. of things. Yeah, over the time, yeah. <laughs> my name is uh, Robert Harvey. I forgot my name for a second there. My name is Robert Harvey and I'm work, currently working on uh, Torchwood and uh, the first Doctor Companion Chronicles. Excellent. So firstly, I'm just going to ask, on your current projects that you're working on, are there any challenges uh, that you're encountering or are you enjoying it? Is it a smooth ride? Well, I'm still fairly new to the whole Big Finish game. I've only been doing it for about eight months, and that's been about eight months' worth of sound design, uh, total but, that I've been doing. So it's kind of a, a lot of it's adjusting to the process. But to be honest, actually, I've thoroughly enjoyed everything. It's not just something I'm saying. Genuinely, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. It's nice to actually finally put my name to credits and things like that. Um, well, I've been working with, with James Goss and Scott Hancock recently, and uh, I've just just finished one audio play which has got some very questionable questionable effects in and by question I mean revolting I think they're so revolting <laughs> that I feel a little bit sick thinking about it um, I'm curious but I'm not going to tell anybody because that will be spoilers and I'm not going to tell you <laughs> I did the Summer of Love for Benny Summerfield, and that was, yeah, that was similar. Yeah. Just some of the most often enough weird stuff that's happening, and I just, it makes you feel a bit strange. Strange, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can relate, I can relate. 
So it's a weird world, sound design. I think. Yes, quite it's, lonely. It's, it's very, very lonely. It's, yeah. it's a very lonely job. Yeah. It's also a very. Um, I think you, you look round. You know, you look to yourself and think, "What am I doing? Squashing bits of fruit in yeah, my spare time." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very old place. Well, I've been doing it for a long time anyway, so it's nice to just finally record it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Benji. I'm Jamie Anderson, and I am the producer of the upcoming uh, Big Finish releases of Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons. We're, we're doing something very exciting, Benji, and I'm, I'm very pleased that finally uh, a classic Jerry Anderson property is coming to Big Finish, and that property is Captain Scarlet and the Mysterons. There we go. It's, it's a hugely exciting thing. It's, it's a new thing as well for Big Finish because we're going over. This is, this is first and foremost, this is original archive material. It's, it tells a little bit about what what it is we're releasing. So we did well. We're, we're doing two two different types of release, I guess. The first is consists of some mini album stories from 1967. So recorded with the original cast. Uh, around the time of the TV series, and uh, they were originally released on vinyl, um, and they've they've been around, but never in kind of full episodic, episodic and cleaned up format that they have. So uh, you, Benji, have been doing some lovely remastering work on them. Thank you very much. And they're sounding absolutely stunning, the best they've ever sounded. Uh, and as part of the same release, we're also putting out eight TV stories that've been adapted uh, with linking material recorded by Ed Bishop, who played. Captain Blue, and it's presented as if Captain Blue was reporting the stories back uh, to Spectrum. So they're, they're kind of cool, they're very really unique. So eight full ones of those, kind of some of the best episodes of the original TV series, plus a one-hour documentary. And then three more releases, uh, which are kind of dramatic audiobooks uh, with sound effects and music and cool stuff going on. Three original novels from the 1960s, written by John Faden, who did a lot of the TV tie-in novels for the Superman Nation series. So it's really cool. So a bit of the old and a bit of the renewed old as well. So really, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge release as well because it's it's obviously celebrating the 50th anniversary, isn't it? God, you said that. I almost forgot. Yeah, it is. It's the fifth anniversary, uh, 29th of September 1967, I think. So I, I think we're aiming to release on the actual day itself. Um, and I'm not allowed to talk about the casting yet for the audiobooks, but um, it will be cool. It will be cool. There you go. Words from the man himself. It will be cool. Mm. I would just like to say I think it's a great project. It's a really fun project, and it's nice to work on because it's it's nice certainly for Big Finish to do something a little bit different, going over old recordings and and it's it's nice. It's just nice, and it's not too in terms of especially the uh, the vinyl releases. It's in a way very similar to modern Big Finish in the way it sounds. It sounds like the TV stuff. It sounds really good for what it is, and I, and I was sitting there and I was thinking, God. I do this sort of thing, it takes, you know, I'm doing it from, from modern technology, the comfort of my own. Those studio sessions to do those recordings must have been so complicated. <laughs> yeah, they probably were, but they, they come across pretty well, relatively polished, maybe. There's, there's actually a, a really nice pace to them, which is totally fitting with the, the original TV series. When, I guess when we're doing more modern stuff like Doctor Who or whatever, there's, more, there's a more modern type of writing to it, more modern editing, even though you're doing something from the classic era. Whereas these just 
because they were done at the time, they really fit with that feeling in terms of the editing and the pace and all that sort of stuff. Plus all the lovely sound effects and uh, ridiculous accents. Wonder, it's wonderfully warm though, isn't it? I, that's what I liked. I, I, I plugged it into my yeah. hi-fi after, I, after fixing it. Because if you listen to it on, on your studio monitors and your hi-fi, it sounds very different. And it was a weird feeling of like sitting in front of the radio listening to something. It felt very, very much that that vibe. The vibe how it should be listened to. I think. Yeah, Re- retro all the way. Uh, and I think that you know the work you've done to to remaster them, restore them, and especially uh, in Captain Scarlet versus Captain Black, where it was put out with a speed error, where it gradually gets lower and slower. Uh, I can't believe they ever released it like that, but the the work you've done to restore that with the amazing digital toolkit you have now uh, is, yeah, wonderful. It's amazing. The the endearing thing about it is that even though it it was digital, it was an incredibly analog way of doing it because you have to physically draw the uh, the speed that the production is going. So I, I was having some fun in the sense that I, I at one point I was going up and down to see how quickly it responded, and it was dead on. So with this, it was a case of working out where it started, because even slightly, as uh, you picked up yourself, you said, "Oh, it sounds a little bit there. It sounds it's, it's dipped a little bit, a bit." So it's finding exactly where it is and just just getting it to flow nicely but i'm proud of what we've done it's nice it's an honor to do something like that and, and clean up all these these lovely opportunities yeah well i think I, I hope that when people listen to them they will uh, appreciate the love and attention that's gone into getting them back to pristine condition in fact probably the best i've ever sounded oh, thank, you. thank you very much well jamie it's always a pleasure and uh, i'm sure i'll be seeing you soon for, for cake the, the 50th no less. Absolutely. S-I-G, Benji. S-I-G. Indestructible Captain Scarlet. And thanks to all involved there, Benji. I thought you did a particularly charming job there. Your natural bonhomie was a joy to behold. <laughs> bonhomie. I love it. Love it. It was quite good fun, actually. I was sort of just whisking around aimlessly gradually starting with with one beer in my hand and and at the end sort of trying to facilitate uh, after after drinking a couple yeah, it was very fun very fun it was lovely to meet so many awesome people as well and, and yeah, it was great, that's the nicest it? thing and and to meet other people that share um share the incredible uh, incredible things we encounter on a daily basis i, I remember um I was talking to uh, Lauren Yason and we were talking she said because we we were saying about how footsteps are Oh, are yeah. thoroughly irritating particularly snow footsteps she said were really hard and I just sort of I sort of said, oh you know lucky lucky I've not encountered that yet he said laughing next day gets into the studio sits down <laughs> thinks right okay alright better start on this episode then snow foot I thought oh, snow footsteps I thought right joke's on me joke's on me yeah, so right. hey ho! But there I we love go. the noise of it though. I love that squeaky noise that fresh uh, snow, fresh snow, fresh. Love, I love a bit of fresh snow. Yeah. No, it's it's a pretty funky sound, but uh, as as I've come to realise now. Um, so yes, uh, thanks to all the sound designers who popped down. It was really nice to see you all, and I uh, hope to see you all again soon. And now let's stop mucking about and let's get on with this, Nick. Because it's that time for the Randomoid Selectatron. 
That's right, that's where we select a random release from the Big Finish archives, courtesy of Hannah Newman, and a beautifully crafted Randomoids Selectatron site, which randomly selects a Big Finish release from bigfinish.com. So let's just check to see if, if there's any new amusing gifts for us on there. Yeah, because Hannah, I think she, she contacted me. Where did she contact me? But she said, yeah, there, there's a new GIF. What is it? It's superb. That's what it is. <laughs> it's only Bilal <laughs> pointing. The best bit is he gasps as he does. And it has a caption that says gasp. <laughs> and then Sarah says, what is it? And he goes, that way leads to Ran. <laughs> pause there was, was me carefully waiting for it, the cue to come up on, on, on the animation just to make sure it was perfect and it has a it little, a, little uh, italics in the corner that says it was either this or bacon finish <laughs> <laughs> which obviously that's how Hannah speaks yeah. well, it, it was either this or bacon finish it was either that or bacon finish mate well ba- you know it's, that's your bacon voice isn't it you got to do that bacon sandwich sort of voice you know Ever baiting Sony? Hannah's Hannah's a lorry driver, isn't she? <laughs> so I, she might be. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, Hannah. I, I know that you probably probably don't sound like that, but if you did, I I, I would be amazed. I, I think that was incredible. Um, so yes, we hope you do sound. We like hope that, you do. Actually. Yeah. In fact, try as hard as you can to sound like that from now on. <laughs> Um, so yes uh, thanks Hannah for the wonderful uh, animated gif this week and now we are activating the randomoid selectatron and we've got graceless series 2 there we go haven't we had that before I want to say that we actually have I was thinking that when it popped up so I'm going to reshuffle um, but Graceless is great, folks. So do drop, do dip into that. It's is there a, a trailer for Graceless? Do you think? Oh, I assume so. Yeah. Well, you know, the last time I seem to remember there wasn't one. Well, it's gone now. I've, I've already randomised. Oh, well, I'll just see if there's a trailer for Graceless series two. No, there isn't. Well done. We can't even play that. What is the matter with the people who make Graceless? They don't make trailers. We well, just have to imagine it. Imagine a really great yeah. audio drama. <laughs> Anyway, on to the next choice. Okay, so can we do things that aren't out yet? No. Well, then in that case, we, we, we're, we're not going to have Vortex Ice slash Cortex Fire. No. But do listen out for it, folks. Um, oh, my God. We, um, have we, we've had a hun- 100 as well, haven't we? We've done that one 100? before. Yeah, we, we have done that one before. I think so. We really want to keep a record of what we've done. 100, which was celebrating the 100th uh, main range edition thing back in 2007, starring Colin Baker and Maggie Stables. We just need to buck up, don't we, really? We need to just yeah, buck up I don't on know. this. I mean, it features. Uh, listen, uh, before we move on, let's just have the trailer for that. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. 100. Oh, Doctor. What a surprise. No, you are not in control of my body. You can't stop me. Doctor! I'm different from everyone. I'm even different from every other me, and who else can say that? We have control of the speech centres and the mouth. Perhaps it was a doctor from the future. He's about to fire! I have 100 days to live. Classic Doctors, 
brand new adventures. Do you know? I'm pretty sure that we haven't featured this before. Well, then let's 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 do it. And and if and if in some strange parallel universe we have. Uh, I think it's worth mentioning again. It's really good, um, though, because it's it's quite different as well. Yeah. What a great selection of writers. Jacqueline Rayner, with Big Finish right from the beginning, has always done superb work. A great friend as well. Um, My Own Private Wolfgang by Robert Shearman, which I think was the last thing he wrote for Big Finish. I think you're right. I, I believe so. And Bedtime Story by Joseph Lidster which may be the last Doctor Who he did for Big Finish. He's done loads of Dark Shadows since then. Uh, a brilliant writer, Joe. I've known him for years. He's... Uh, absolute dude. He worked, worked on... Um, sorry? Absolute dude. He's an absolute dude. Um, and he uh, worked on Torchwood and uh, Sarah Jane Adventures. And then uh, Paul Cornell, who is, you know, a decorated writer... <laughs> <laughs> Decorated by Phil Marshall Montgomery. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. But has done so. I mean, you know, we could spend a whole podcast listing everything that Paul's done. Of course, the creator of Bernice Summerfield. So we've got an awful lot to thank him for. And a jolly nice chap to boot. Jolly nice chap to boot. Very nice chap. Very nice. And the stories are 100 BC. Jack Rayner did that. Uh, My Own Private Wolfgang. That's Rob did that. A Bedtime Story by Joe. And 100 Days of the Doctor by Paul. Um, Yeah. It's Doctor Who magazine said it was funny, scary and provocative. 100 is an encapsulation of the audio adventures range. And I commend it to you. I commend it to you, sir. I commend you, a boy. I think. Well, I think it's the formats for me. It's the formats of one hundred that makes it stand out because it's, yeah. it's a, just a little bit different. And I remember back in two thousand seven when this came out, somebody said, "Oh, you, you should check. You should check it out because it's it's kind of obviously the uh, the lineup of writers is within itself incredible." But I, I distinctly remember being recommended listening to this one because it was it was really cool. It's a really great series of stories. It is, and then they've all got a fantastic little hook to them. I mean, the first one is set, you know, uh, in Rome, in uh, 101 BC, and the second one is just a crazy story by Rob with Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, and there being lo- lots of him. It's all very strange. Uh, but that's Rob for you. Very entertaining. Bedtime Story by uh, Joe Lidster is um, more of a sort of... A little bit of a kitchen sink kind of drama. It's very... Um, yeah. Very... What's the word I'm looking for? But anyway, it had Frank Finley in it. The great <laughs> Frank Finley, who, you know, sadly no longer with us. A fantastic actor who we'd wanted to work with for a long time. And it was lovely to have him in. And a hundred days of the Doctor. I mean, what a hook! Someone has assassinated the Doctor. Don't get bigger than that. In which I play the assassin as Phil Marshall Montgomery. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I took a clean shot to the head, <laughs> straight between the eyes. <laughs> anyway, there we are. There we uh, go. Lots of fun. I think I think we'd done one called Forty Five when we'd reached Forty Five releases. It's just so funny. It's, I remember when we reached One Hundred releases from the Doctor Who main range. We were astounded. What number are we at now? A very good question. On the main range, Mm. uh, in terms of latest one that's come out, it's 222. 222. 
that's pretty shocking. Almost inconceivable. 222 main range stories and the thing is as well that's that's excluding box sets uh, uh side steps oh, yeah, side trips yeah. short trips companion chronicles but yeah. these are just i mean once upon a time the main range was the only thing we did but pff, there was a proliferation but if if somebody turned around to you in yes. 19 you know 19 so let's get this straight they're they're, they're turning away at the moment but but somebody turn act- around again. actually turns around <laughs> if somebody turned around to you in 1989 and said Oh yeah, by the way, you know, uh, there's going to be 222 brand new Doctor Who stories from all original Doctor Who actors. You you would just say, what? You 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 just think, how is that possible? And now look at look at this. We've got so many more stories to tell as well, which is lovely. Well, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know what I'd say. What I would have said in that situation because. You know, especially when I took on being exec producer, as I've said possibly a million and twenty-two times, um, I thought I'd give it a go for a year and see how it went. And here but, he is. Uh, but and I, I, in so many ways, enjoy it more and more every year. Actually, but so. you bring so much to it. I think that's what's nice. You you live and breathe Big Finish, and that is so important. I honestly think that that is what makes Big Finish so special is is that I was thinking this the other day actually I was thinking it was like that sound designer day I was uh, you could just hear this room of just sort of you know people blah, 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 the crowd going sort of you, know, you just occasionally hear blah, 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 Doctor Who TARDIS it's really funny I thought well, this is a room full of people that just love love what we do and I think that's so nice it's, it's, yeah. really, it's really great you know the amount of people that you see wake up and say oh I've got to go to work this morning I just can't be bothered today yeah. yeah, we're immensely privileged, really, in that sense, aren't we? We are, and it's it's it not in the sense that we're massively rich because we're not. <laughs> I've got pots of money, old boy. <laughs> immensely privileged, you know. <laughs> Just going to tuck into the jellied breast of guinea fowl. Oh, rather. <laughs> Must shoot it first, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Maybe that way, you, the, your impersonation of the shindig, maybe that's how we should introduce the podcast. We're just go, Doctor Who, Jardis, Daleks, Poisonous Monkey. Block transfer computation. It was nice, though, and to speak with people as well that completely and utterly understand the really quite... Like, talking about things like the hads on the TARDIS. I mean, it doesn't get, you know, more more obscure conversation than that really yeah we've had the hostile action displacement system in existence quite a lot actually it's very important um this has been a rather shambolic randomoid selector trial you know several several false starts and then we decided on one that we didn't know whether we were going to go through with but anyway we did it didn't we 100 thoroughly thoroughly blimmin' recommended too right too yeah. right there so yeah, so it's, it's worth worth having that one but you got to cut the trailers <laughs> in there anyway so you know you got you got a good bit of bang for your buck yeah. that's the main thing so yeah, yeah 100 and now nick it looks as though it's time to close ran off for this week goodbye ran 
And as the podcast is jettisoned from the airlock with only 15 minutes or less of air left, just time for Nick to take a big breath and give us a lifeline with the latest releases on offer from Big Finish. We love stories productions. Go on, Nick, hit it. Hit it as hard as you can with a space hammer. Ooh. Here we go. H.G. Wells, The First Men in the Moon, starring Nigel Planer and Gethin Anthony, getting great reviews. Doom Coalition 4, that's volume 4, not a some kind of bizarre sports score. Doom <laughs> Coalition 4, Dark Eyes 2, uh, the eighth Doctor in cataclysmic events. So many brilliant reactions to this online. Going down a storm. Two great audio... That was a storm sound effect, courtesy of Benji Clifford. Two great audiobooks from the pen of Omega Factor creator Jack Gerson, The Fetch and The Evil Thereof, performed beautifully by Carolyn Seymour and Barnaby Edwards. And don't forget, you can hear part one of the Peter Davison Fifth Doctor adventure, Zaltis, for free. There's a range on the website called Big Finish for free. Woohoo, no-brainer. You'll find it and a whole host of other free downloads there. That's it! Well done, Nick. Well done indeed, oh boy. You did it. You did it. Oh, thank goodness. And in a few moments, there's a free sampler from Jack Gerson's uh, aforementioned The Fetch coming up. Yes. Mm. It's not called The Fetch coming up. It's called The Fetch and it's coming up. That's right. So it's nearly time for us to say goodbye. Uh, But before that, I just have to ask Benji to sum up the podcast so that I can quote him in the BigFinish.com news item that accompanies this podcast. Take it away, Benji. Sum up this podcast in a pithy, irresistible phrase, sentence, or indeed proclamation. Well, okay. so I'm going to sum this up with... How am I going to write that? Well, you're going to have to find a way. It's Captain Scarlet. (laughs) Uh, So Captain Scarlet, sound designers, many of them. Uh, The Randomoid Selectatron, 100 emails, lots of emails. Um, Heartwarming tales. Um, Dishy Colin Baker. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and of course... Uh, Winston, <laughs> Winston Churchill, uh, Richard III, and uh, Field Marshal Montgomery. <laughs> yeah, that's they're all worth mentioning. That'll do for me. Uh, I'll be transcribing those golden words later. In the meantime, shall we say goodbye, Den- Benji? I call you Denji. What's Denji? <laughs> yeah, my name's Denji. Uh, Denji. Shall we say goodbye, Dun Dungeon? <laughs> Yes, uh, Splick. Um, <laughs> Splick. <laughs> Splick and Dungeon. <laughs> Splick, it sounds a bit like Splink, you know, the John Pertwee crossing the road thing. Splink! Can I just quickly put this in there because uh, it's just made me laugh. The other day, um, my friend Chris just turned around to me and just said, Great idea for a new comedy series. <laughs> what? And he went, Starter and Main. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then he went, Another one, Hammer and Nail. <laughs> I don't know why that made I'd me go laugh. For ham- I'd go for hammer and tongs. Hammer and t- yeah, the old classic, old classic. There. Anyway, uh, we digressed on a very not very funny <laughs> ending there. So <laughs> never mind there. Uh, it's a slow burn. It's a slow burn. You'll get it eventually. So uh, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from him. And here's the fetch by Jack Gerson, performed by the brilliant Carolyn Seymour. <laughs>
The Fetch by Jack Gerson, read by Carolyn Seymour. Prologue. It was an afternoon in May when Alistair Matheson first came face to face with himself in Oxford Street. It was two years later when this incident came to the attention of David Sutherland. Of course, Sutherland had been in the United States for five years. He'd been visiting professor of economics at Harvard, had followed this up with a lecture tour of the States, and then spent some time in New England, writing a book on and entitled A New Theory of the Principle and Practice of Modern Economics, his theory concluding, at the end of 300 pages of diverse arguments, that economics was such an inexact science as to allow for a multitude of theories, none of which was proven to be anything but unreliable. It was after he had finished this work and was taking a vacation in New York that he was summoned back to London at the earnest request of the Prime Minister to fill the position of economic advisor to the government. It was a job he was loath to take, recalling the fate of other economic advisers to previous governments, unfortunate souls who had found themselves the centre of controversy, accused either of being interfering egotists or grey eminences behind imagined thrones. There was a large, enticing carrot placed in front of him, however. He was assured that, after a short period, on the retirement of the present incumbent, he would be offered the governorship of the Bank of England. He returned to England. A few weeks later in the smoke room of Black's Club in St. James's, he encountered an old acquaintance, Edgar St. John Clement. They'd been at rugby together. Indeed, Sutherland had been Clement's fag those many years ago. Since school days, Sutherland had never liked the man. But Clement, who was now director of a merchant bank, had been a junior member of a Tory administration which engendered a certain false affability and an assumed knowledge of all that went on behind the seats of the great, the good, and the not-so-good. And when he encountered an old schoolfellow, especially one heavily rumoured to be on the way up, Clement saw no reason not to cultivate an acquaintance. For his part, Sutherland did not feel able to be ungracious, and perhaps hoped the man would fill him in on a political scene he had been detached from for five years. He accepted Clement's invitation to dine. Of course, I shall go to the Lords, Clement said expansively over the brandy, in the next honours list. Not that it means much these days. Makes headwaiters jump to it and all that. And the title on the odd board of directors is always welcome. Worth a few bob, eh? <laughs> Sutherland suppressed a smile. Always. And one does hear all the gossip in the Lords, Clement went on, hands fluttering. He was that type. Always first with what's worth hearing. I'm a little behind with the gossip, Sutherland replied. I'd appreciate a summing up of the political situation. Oh, you needn't bother about all that. Gossip's the thing. You'll be up on all the New York stuff. Must fill me in there. Haven't been across the pond for a couple of years. And of course, I can tell you most of what's been going on here. Now, let me see. Did you hear about Cecil? Of course, you probably did. Be in the New York papers, I'm sure. And then Norman and the... <laughs> the lady... <laughs> ah, and then there's Matheson. Now, that you wouldn't have heard about. Didn't get into the papers. Hushed up it was. Matheson? I don't think I know. A Scot, 
civil service type. Was a bit of a mystery at the time. Was in the Scottish office, then the Ministry of... Oh, wait a minute. A Scot? Matheson. Alastair Matheson. I did know him slightly. Of course you did, dear boy. And I suppose one might have expected it from a Scot. Sutherland frowned. I'm a Scot. Oh, yes, but you haven't been in Scotland for years. Rather obviates your Scottishness, don't you think? (laughs) This all happened not long after Matheson came to London. You did know him, then? Yes, slightly. Mm, Pretty humourless type. Typical Presbyterian. Mouth and morals, a tight straight line. Accounts for his story, I suppose. Clement considered his remark before going on. Yes, only a Scot could tell a story like that. Fantastic. Weird. Of course, I heard it secondhand, but the fellow who told me, Aidan Mansell, the QC, swore it was true. Made me promise not to pass it on. Oh, not that he was serious. Not that the story could hurt Matheson now. What story? Sutherland was beginning to feel impatient. I mean, he's beyond it, isn't he? Edgar, I haven't the faintest idea what you're talking about. Do you mean he's dead? No, no, but you did know him, didn't you? I said so. He was, as you say, a very serious, rather pompous soul. Not now. (laughs) Or perhaps more so. What happened to him, Edgar? Clement waved the waiter over. Two more brandies, John. The waiter moved away. Clement turned back to Sutherland, leaning forward discreetly. Of course, it's all insane. Obviously, the man had cracked. But this is the story Matheson told Aidan Mansell, who told it to me. Chapter One It was one afternoon in May, three months after he had first settled in London, that Alistair Matheson saw himself across Oxford Street. He was strolling leisurely along the south side of this packed thoroughfare when his eye was caught by the familiar figure walking in the opposite direction on the north side of the street. He stopped with the most extraordinary feeling of recognition, not the kind of recognition where one sees an old friend and comes to a stop with perhaps a raising of the hand in greeting. No, this was a sudden shock, as if there, on the opposite pavement, was the vision he was accustomed to seeing in the mirror in his bedroom every morning. But here, there being no mirror, was some kind of image freed from the confines of frame and glass and taking on a life of its own. It was almost as if he himself was split in two and walking in opposite directions at the same time. After the initial shock with its attendant frisson, he made to cross the road, filled at once with an overwhelming, if nervous, curiosity. Later, he was to ask himself what else he could have been expected to feel. Certainly, one does not expect to glimpse one's doppelganger in the centre of London on a busy street on a greying spring Saturday. His attempted crossing of the street brought the irate honking of a taxi's horn, and Matheson, suddenly flushed and damp with perspiration, jumped back onto the curb. He waited for a gap in the moving columns of red buses and dark taxis. As he waited, his eyes scanned the far side of the street, looking for the all-too-familiar figure now seemingly lost in the bustling crowd of shoppers. As if, his vision diverted for a moment, the familiar image had disappeared. 
His eyes then fastened on the back of a sports jacket, not unlike one hanging in a wardrobe back in his apartment. It was a jacket he rarely wore, preferring, as he often told himself, the elegance of his dark business suits. Matheson found a clearing in the traffic and finally crossed the street, switching direction and moving after the sports jacket. He moved quickly, pushing his way through the stream of would-be shoppers and possible sightseers until he was only a few feet behind the sports jacket. And here he could see that although similar to his own, it was of a different pattern, although he noted the tweed was of equally good quality. His quarry stopped to stare into a window of Selfridges, which displayed a selection of summer wear for men. Matheson took the opportunity to circle around the figure and stand, ostensibly staring into the next window of the store, but in fact eyeing the wearer of the sports jacket covertly. And now he had an excellent view of a familiar profile. His own. The man then turned, as did Matheson, and they were facing each other eye to eye. The resemblance, so very precise, caused Matheson to flinch, Visibly, he was sure. He could confirm to himself the face was exactly the image he saw every morning in the mirror. At the same time, the man he was facing gave no sign of recognition, but simply stepped to one side and walked on in the direction of Marble Arch. Matheson stood unmoving. Indeed, for the second time, he was shocked. This from the simple fact that the man had stared directly at him and showed not one sign of recognition. It was a long moment before he stirred, but now no longer to follow his double. Without mutual recognition, it seemed pointless. The man could not have failed to see him, yet had chosen to ignore the resemblance. Matheson had no notion of intruding on a stranger's privacy. He therefore proceeded in his original direction towards Oxford Circus and beyond. Questioning himself as he went, had he been mistaken? Was there no real resemblance, only perhaps a superficial likeness? The day was dull, and his eye might have been tricked into presuming a much greater similarity than there was. The man himself would surely have been startled, and perforce would have had to acknowledge his surprise. Yet Matheson could not, he knew, dismiss the incident so easily. Of course, he was determined to try. He straightened up and began to retrace his steps, heading, as was his original intent, towards Charing Cross Road and Zwemmer's Bookshop, where he intended to browse among books on the cinema, his longtime hobby. While the impression in his mind of the encounter with his lookalike should diminish into a trivial and uncertain memory, something perhaps to be talked about amusingly over his morning tea in his office on Monday, he was still uneasy.